0: Cascais is a city in Portugal, right off the coast, only a 40-minute train ride from Lisbon, Portugal, that most people look over when they're traveling the country. With amazing beaches, delicious, delicious seafood, and an overall great atmosphere, this is a city that every traveler should be considering, even just for a day trip, to make their experience in Portugal the best it possibly can be. With today's guests, we discuss amazing dishes that you can try throughout the city, the amazing local family-owned restaurants that you should definitely not miss, and what makes this little seaside city so special. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome, all you travelers and foodists out there. My name is Chris, your host, and I help people discover amazing food all around the world. On today's episode, I have Sue and Diana from foodtravelist.com, which is a blog focused on travel and food so that you never have a bad meal while abroad. They both currently live in Cascais, which is the main destination of discussion today. Out of all the places that they could have moved to and lived in, this is probably a, a good one for sure, not just for the views itself, but also just for the amazing food that you can get there. We touch on Portuguese culture, what it's like to live in the city, all the delicious food that is available to you, and why this city should not be forgotten when you're putting together your itinerary in Portugal. So here is my interview with Sue and Diana from foodtravelist.com. All right, thank you so much, Sue and Diana, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I know we're excited to hear about your travel stories and all the delicious food that we can eat in Portugal. Uh, let's start off with the introductions. Let's learn a little bit more about you guys and tell us about yourselves and a little bit about your blog.
1: Sure, um, hi, well, I'm a Sue and I'm Diana. And we have a website called Food Travelist. Um, we like to encourage people to eat sustainably and travel responsibly.
2: And uh, to try and explore the culinary backroads whenever possible and find those little out of the way delightful spots that the locals know and don't always share with people who are visiting.
0: Oh, that's really important, actually. <laughs> I like the sort of restaurants that are maybe a little away from the the tourist spots because the food can be a lot better, I I find.
1: Yeah, and usually a lot more affordable as well. (laughs) Oh,
0: yes, absolutely. I, I think it was like my first trip to Europe when I went to Spain. And this was a while ago. Goodness, I don't know, 2012 maybe. And I was just taken aback at how much difference is. Like we went to Barcelona and then like I was there and Goodness, like the restaurants just charged me like so much like triple than what it is just even a few blocks away so mm-hmm. learn learn my lesson the hard way back then um so what got you guys into starting your blog what kind of fueled the fire for it
1: well i was we I originally started a blog that was more of a lifestyle blog we were it was kind of like a living well for less you know blog and it was called poshports you know Mm -hmm. the odd name for sure you know but um we were having minimum success with it and this was oh my gosh this was probably 2010 yeah 2010 and um we We've was, as you go through the analytics and look at things, we are like, "Oh, people seem to only want to talk about food and travel. And it's like, why are we kind of like hitting our heads against the wall here, you know and all, all this <laughs> other stuff,
2: that <laughs> they really want to hear about food and travel.
1: And so we started Food Travelist, you know, at that point. And it really, I mean, as as soon as we started it, it hit the ground running. And it was, you know, much, much easier, as you know, it's much easier to work on something that's fun and actually, you know, creating a buzz and creating traffic to your site and people, then people are interested in
2: talking about it. It's also easier to cover a couple of topics that integrate very well together than covering an entire lifestyle. (laughs) And at the time we started it, there really weren't any blogs about culinary tourism, as a discipline, you know, in and of itself, there were travel blogs and there were food blogs, but they didn't often talk about the intersection. So we actually went to school and learned about the culinary tourism industry. And Sue and I are both certified culinary travel professionals via the World Food Travel Association, which is um, a tremendous resource for destinations that are trying to use their culinary culture as uh, an enticement for people to come and and visit their country. Um, So for us, we learned an awful lot of really, you know, nitty gritty about food and tourism and the the different aspects of, of the industry and where people choose to travel based on what they're going to get to eat. So we come at it from both the, the touristic side and also from the consumer side, because obviously we, like everyone else, love to travel with our taste buds.
0: That's really cool. I didn't know that there was any sort of certification. It's good to hear that you took it so seriously and you really, really hit it like, like head on. Like we're going to we're going to figure this out and learn everything we can and and create an excellent resource for for people who really want to discover cultures and different countries through food. I think that's awesome. Um, Just going to rewind a little bit here for you guys. Um, I find that most people have a certain like upbringing in their earlier years in life and that really affects their outlook on food and travel. So how did you guys grow up and what was like your early years influence and how did that impact your outlook on food and travel throughout your life and where you are now?
1: Um, well, I grew up in Chicago and, you know, Chicago is very well known to have having lots of cultures, food available everywhere. So um, we had a really open palate, you know, at that point in Chicago. I also was very um, close with my grandmother. know. We have a German heritage. And so, you know, I learned about German food and Germany, you know, through her. And I, you know, I have always had an affinity to Europe. Um, I, since I was a little girl, I had, a, I don't know, I, I had a special love for France, you know, especially for Paris. And I couldn't wait for the day that I would be able to travel there, you know, on my own and experience it. So, and I think that I was always encouraged, you know, to try new things and to um, really experience other places. and i i I've always loved to eat. you know, so I say Diana's more of a cook you know than, than I am. I always say I'm the eater, you know, and, and she's the cook, you know, but um, I think that's where my you know early
2: uh, roots came involved with food and travel. And I grew up in Los Angeles, and uh, uh, the gateway to, uh, in my um, upbringing, uh, I was surrounded by people from other countries, and the culinary uh, flavors that they brought with them. So whenever I would go to somebody's home to eat, I would be uh, given a delicious meal, a home cooked meal from you know countries around the world. My family is uh, Heinz 57 with a little uh, emphasis on the Greek. So um, I learned to cook. My dad was one of these people, uh, he still is who loves complex cooking. He was a surgeon and so he loves to work with his hands. And so he would make very complicated dishes and soup and grow his own herbs and make bread and all that. So I spent a good amount of time in the kitchen with my dad learning the ins and outs of the kitchen. And then we go and uh, eat, you know, from restaurants and people's homes. And uh, my mom was a really great party thrower. <laughs> and so we would usually have some kind of an international a buffet or or a meal uh, especially around the holidays where she would really blow it out um, and then traveling i started when I was nine years old I think I took my first uh, international trip and uh, just never stopped my family loved to travel so I travel with them and I have a, an extensive network of family around the world who when I was younger i would visit um, and uh, and then I just sort of started visiting places where i didn't have relatives. <laughs>
0: Wow, that's that's some pretty good influences for for people in, in like younger years and such. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the same boat where with my dad is actually German. My mom is Korean and it was a very unique uh, multi-ethnic household uh, growing up with a bunch of different food. Um, Diane, I'm curious, was there like a certain thing that your dad made when you were young that you really, really loved?
2: Oh, Yeah. Uh, we have a, a specialty called Teddy's Keftetis. Uh, <laughs> Keftetis are Greek, Greek meatballs essentially. And they're, they're similar to Italian meatballs, but whereas Italian meatballs are soft and cooked in the sauce, uh, Greek meatballs are actually um, cooked in olive oil. And usually you'll put the onions and garlic into the mix with breadcrumbs and some spices and herbs, and you'll sort of fry them in the oil in a, in a pan. And uh, so they get crispy on the outside and tender on the inside. And he would sometimes mix it up with a little Italian. Uh, My dad thinks that there are two kinds of cuisine, Italian and everything else. And uh, so we'd have it served with uh, angel hair uh, spaghetti with um, uh, some garlic and olive oil and throw a little Parmesan cheese on there, a nice Greek salad. And that was probably his favorite meal um, when I was growing up because it's pretty quick and easy to make. And also the leftovers are just as good as, as they were when you had them first time. We just had them the other night. We, we, did. <laughs> we did. And I've learned, you know, as we age, we want to eat a little lighter. So I've learned to make them with turkey, ground turkey, instead of beef or, or pork or a combination. And um, so, you know, they're very flexible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what about you, Sue? Was there like a certain German dish that you grew up with that was, I don't know, stand out to you?
1: Um, well, there's there's a, certainly a lot of dishes. My grandma made a really nice rouladen. But I would say what really, <clears throat> excuse me, what really stuck out in my mind um, is, it still is, and Diana has been able to replicate it pretty close, is really good German potato salad. You know, and and everybody makes it different. You know, some people put, you know, know, uh, hard-boiled eggs on top. Some people put bacon. I was like, like, there's like a bazillion different recipes for it, for sure. But, you know, just a little bit of vinegar in there that makes it a little like tangy and and, then the fresh onion and it's just that to me, the side dishes, you know, that the German potato salad and a cucumber salad, a really good cucumber salad are, you know, two things that I still to this day, are they're kind of like comfort foods for me.
0: I'm great. Uh, it's great that you mentioned the potato salad. Um, my <laughs> mom, she is an amazing cook. I was just spoiled as a kid and still am. Every time I go to visit, generally one of the meals we have is like a, like a German kind of feast where they have <laughs> a, spit, uh, a spetzlet or Spätzle, oh, yeah. German potato salad, and goodness, usually... I don't know, some other sort of like side or meat. And then because we're Korean, we'll always have kimchi at the table too, which is. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, fun mix. I love
1: that. Yeah, that's a great mixture. It's like, you know, your your favorite dishes sound like Oktoberfest, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to me. You know, which I love those kind of meals, you know, and they're, they, I mean, you can't have them very often because they're just so freaking heavy, you know, but, oh, yeah. but they're so, so delicious. I mean, really good schnitzel, you know, with a good red cabbage. And I mean, and all, I mean, to me, it's, it's like, I just want a little of everything. <laughs> it's all so good.
0: Yeah. And. I think it's great we had these upbringings filled with delicious food and it's good that we're all trying to share it too with the world and trying to get people to explore. I've just known unfortunately too many people who are really stuck in their eating habits and um which is good for, you know, comfort reasons and but I always try to help people maybe explore a little bit more outside of their comfort zone and on the podcast I've been talking a lot about like offal meats or you know like organs and weird things like Uh, Like blood sausage, people seem to be very apprehensive to try. And I'm like, just try it. You can't, like, you wouldn't wouldn't even think that there's blood in this thing at all. Like, it's it's great and it's delicious and it's different and it's adventurous too. And it can kind of be an entryway to other sort of foods like that, you know?
2: Well, even in Portugal, if you just say sausage, you know, (laughs) and go into any grocery store, there's like 50 different kinds of sausage. You could just certainly... (laughs) your way through there it would take quite a while and uh just it's it's i've I've never seen a a culture that's so in love with sausage Mm. and that includes the germans
0: (laughs) well what was a time like your aha like food or travel moment where it could have been like a certain moment in time or maybe a progression of events over time where you just had this feeling of i need to have this in my life forever
1: well, I mean, I think that we were trying to find something that we could do together, you know, and, and something that we both really enjoyed. And so this was kind of the natural progression to that. And it's like, you know, Diane and I have both spent many, many years um, working in corporate America. And so, you know, we had reached a point that we wanted to go out on our own. And so when we started thinking about what we wanted to do, we knew it was going to involve travel, you know, for sure, because we we always... Uh, stretched every minute of the (laughs) vacation hours, you know, that we had at our job to, to go places and experience as much as we could, you know, we couldn't wait to be able to kind of be the master of our own time, you know, when we could go for longer periods of time and go to more places, you know, and so, and food, of course, has always been a really important part of both our lives. So I think that, you know, exploring these places through the food, not only gets you really Close, closer to the culture and, and and what really happens there. But you meet so many interesting people along the way. You know, it's like and not just restaurateurs and people that are serving food and whatnot, but also the people that are growing food and creating food. Um, are are just some of the most fascinating stories to me. And it's like how are you how the, how did they get in the business? You know, why are they doing it? And it's like in most cases, they're really artists you know, that want to create, you know, and want to help feed people. And I think that those stories are fascinating. I think people also find them interesting as well. Like the the backstories to what goes on, you know, in somebody's mind when they're creating food.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think people don't quite realize that artistry uh, and the talent that goes behind a lot of the food and the time and the history, and there's so many different things to definitely consider. So with all of your experiences and, everything that you guys are doing. I mean, why are you so passionate with sharing this with the world so other people can hear about your adventures and read what you guys are doing and and understand what you're trying to share?
2: For one thing we realized uh, the pandemic, I think certainly has shown people how important it is that we pay attention to other cultures and other places. We are one world and while we have borders, the ability to travel is one of the great blessings in life. And to be able to go and meet people and to communicate and to share experiences is really something that helps us all grow. That's why both both of us were very young travelers and we believe that children should have the opportunity to travel as a form of education. And as far as the food component goes, No matter what you may agree or disagree with somebody in another culture on, you can always agree on what's tasty and and find something interesting. So we believe that food and drink are a tool for communication across the world. And we're really passionate about being able to share that viewpoint and give examples of how we've met people that we may have never met before or people we think we might have nothing in common with and are able to communicate through food and drink and really Share some of the pleasures of living and expand our horizons. Because once you begin the conversation about food, it naturally expands to other things, and you find over time that you really have a lot more in common with people all over the world than you might think.
1: True, and I, I think that for me, when when I was still, you know, when I was working um, in, in, at my job, um, I have the opportunity to travel through that as well. And one one uh, specific situation that occurred for me, but I was, I happened to be visiting Dubai, which is an amazing place, right? Amazing food. You know, it's just, it's very, very different, you know, than uh, many places on earth. And I had the opportunity to go out to dinner, you know, with some folks that I had, some colleagues that I had met there that lived there. And um, it's really, I think what, what food did for us in that moment was we sat down and ate a traditional dinner, And we really broke through some stereotypes because I mean, at the time I was living in Chicago, and and their opinion about Chicago was very stereotypical, right? Oh, you know, the the gangsters. Oprah lives there. You know, back back in the the day, you know, Mm -hmm. and all these just kind of things that you know I would shake my head and say, wow, I mean it's, Chicago is so, so much more than that and, and they did the same thing for me you know trying to understand their culture and you know how they eat and how they live as well. And I think that that, that was kind of an aha moment for me you know of saying, wow, these stories are very rich and think look how you know, where's, and then this happened over 10 years ago and we're still friends you know it's like we still communicate you know thankfully through social media you know which, which is one of, one of the blessings of social media. Um, being able to stay connected. But having that that connection over food, you know, breaking that bread together, I think it helps break down those walls too. you know, it, it makes you more comfortable. We're also talking about what's good. What do I like? Oh, let me try this. Especially when you just have a cornucopia of food in front of you of things to try, which is like, we're a huge proponents of, you know, kind of like a, almost like a tapas, like, you know, dinner or something, something with small plates, you know, they, every, every culture has a different name for it. You know, it's like where you can try a lot of different food um, in a short amount of time and really um, understand the flavors.
2: It's also a a form of hospitality when you're trying to get to know people. There's nothing that makes someone feel more comfortable than being invited to your house for a meal, even if it's just snacks or drink or something before you go out to do something else. And so certain cultures excel at hospitality, of course, but everybody can take advantage of that. We certainly have met people and uh, broken down barriers, as Sue said, with them just by inviting them for a meal.
0: Yeah, it's it's like world peace would ensue if if more people could eat all the delicious food and share meals with each other, I think. Uh, that would help a lot of our problems uh, because I think you mentioned already, like we can agree on what's delicious. We can agree that this is amazing and I'm enjoying this meal. You're enjoying this meal. Let's just have a good time together. And I think that's one of the best parts about life is enjoying those moments for sure. And I'm glad you guys are facilitating these sort of discussions and opportunities for people to do that. And I think it's exciting when we can travel and eat something new and discover things and just have our lives change sometimes with like a single meal and people need to give those opportunities, um, I guess more of a shot in their life to continue to do that and to be a little more adventurous. All right, well, now we're going to move on to our main destination topic here. It's, a uh, Cascais and it is in Portugal it is a coastal city and it's one that you guys are really passionate about and you guys have lived there right I'm trying to remember uh on your blog we're
2: still there we're still still here yeah
0: we're still there there. so tell us about what makes it so special to you guys
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah well Cascais is a combination of a very cosmopolitan, international, global type of place, as well as a place that locals come to visit as, as a treat. kashkash um, is both a city uh, with a downtown as well as a county. So when you say kashkaish some people think of kashkaish that goes all the way up to uh, uh, Mafra and all the way over to Kakabalosh. And some people think of kashkaish as that little downtown area that's so charming with you know, a couple of beaches and the boats and a very exotic kind of uh, environment. So it's quite glamorous. Uh, a lot of people when they see Qashqai, it looks kind of like, um, you know, Monaco or, or any of those great uh, cities in Shteril, which is the actual uh, part of Qashqai that we live in currently has a, a casino that was one of the um, largest in Europe and still is. And and it actually was the place where Ian Fleming was inspired to uh, write and create his character James Bond based on a place that um, was next to it, the Palacio, which is a very fancy hotel that has a bar in it that they still call the Spy Bar where um, double agent, triple agents um, and all the nobility that were kind of hiding out uh, during the war would stay. And so in Fleming spent a good amount of time there. And although Qashqai originally started out as a little fishing village, it soon became somewhat um, uh, known as the uh, part of the, the, the Portuguese Riviera, if you will. Um, and people were able to stay here. Portugal was did its best to stay sort of neutral during the war, although it certainly did help the Allies when no one was looking. But uh, so it got a reputation for being this very welcoming, uh, unique place. Of course, it's by a gorgeous uh, shoreline. It had this glitzy um, casino, and so... Cascais has a reputation still as being one of those places where anyone can come and be welcome. Um, it's obviously a bit on the pricier side compared to other parts of Portugal, not only because of the beautiful location, but also because it's so desirable to be here.
0: And so like, how does it compare to like Lisbon where I am right now? I feel like maybe I missed out and maybe I should have spent some more time, you know, exploring the other parts of Portugal.
1: Well, the good news is you know, that uh, is a quick forty-minute train ride, you know, uh, from Lisbon. There's a wonderful train, you know, that goes along the sea, um, and so you're getting a spectacular view um, on the way here. And it's, you know, it's, it's so easy. You know, you just get on, you know, right, right at, uh, you know, downtown. You get, de Sodre, you Ka- de been, and you
2: know, it drops
1: you off. It, you, you get off in Qashqai. I mean, you can get off at Estril or you can get a Mondestril if you like. But um, the end of the line, if you will, is Qashqai. So you can't miss it. Uh, and when you get off the train, you're in the downtown area and it's super easy from Lisbon to just then walk around, um, have lunch, have breakfast, have dinner, you know, whatever time you're getting. The train runs extremely, mean, you know, all the time. You know, early in the morning to very uh, late. Um, I think one, two o'clock in the morning. You know, it's like so you can come and go pretty quickly, and it's very affordable. The train train is super affordable. Um, and you can walk around. I mean, the, the beauty of Qashqai is it is a super walkable city. I mean, the Peridot walks along the sea. You can walk from uh, downtown all the way up to Gincho Beach, you know, which is lovely. Um, and you can go all the way. There's, there's, You can go the opposite. You could actually walk all the way back to Lisbon if you I wanted want to. to. It's like <laughs> 20 kilometers or <laughs> yeah. something like that. If you're feeling really ambitious, people you know, have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ways. Maybe there's you can ride your bikes and things like that. And you know, it's like so um in, in terms of missing out, you haven't missed out yet, Chris. You can still make the trip. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, on, I, would, yeah. I would highly encourage it you, know, you to do so as well because it, a lot of people make a day trip from Lisbon to Cascais just to enjoy. The beaches and um, you know the restaurants and the little shops. There's a, a yellow street zone that runs through Kashkai. You know the, the downtown part that is uh, a walking street that has a lot of shops and rest local restaurants. You know um, it is a, a bit touristy, but it is something to see. You know that that's for sure. You walk up the hills; it's it's extremely walkable. I would say it's not the hills here are not as steep as they are in Lisbon. Oh, you know, that's so good. Uh, yeah, yeah. so so that makes it a little bit easier, especially for, for the little the slightly older folks, you know, as well. You can walk along the sea. It's very flat, you know, here. So
2: it's easy. And uh, for people who are visiting, if they speak English, English is very widely spoken yes. here. And so it's really easy to get around. You can try to practice your Portuguese and people are really welcoming. If you do try, they love to see it, you know, but they'll also help you out if they know that you're, you've are you reached your limit after Bombia. Dia. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: So what are some really unique cultural things about Cascais? It's, or if people don't know anything about Portugal in general, how would you kind of describe those unique aspects of it?
2: Um, well, it's, there is a lot of art, a lot of museums. There's a lot of uh, music um, where we live in Estoril, There is the music, the uh, Portuguese music museum. Um, so Fado, people know a lot from like Coimbra and other parts of Portugal, but there's a lot of other Portuguese music and instruments. Cascais um, also has some f- phenomenal museums, some art museums that are well worth seeing. They have museums for all kinds of things, tiles, and uh, they have a museum about the sea to help mm-hmm. educate young ones and those of us who are interested about how important the sea is right. to uh, the area, as well as to us as as human beings. Right, and,
1: and as I'm sure as you know, because being in in uh, Portugal yourself, you know, sustainability is very important, you know, and very high on the, the Portuguese list of of uh, incentives right now. So um, there's as Dina mentioned, you know, there's a lot of children's museums here, you know, that really focus on that. So. I think that's great when people do come here with families to be able to have kids see, you know, the, you know how they're trying to help, you know, really um, make the food here more sustainable, and furniture here more sustainable. Everything uh, is with that in mind, which I think is excellent for you know young people to be learning. Well, for all of us to learn, but especially for young people to be learning as well. And of course, the beach.
2: Well, there are three uh, beaches yeah. Yeah, directly in the city of Kashkaish. They're small beaches. But they're just lovely and there uh, is a harbor and you can see boats and occasionally there'll be some giant <laughs> um, yacht that comes and it's all the scuttle of everyone trying to figure out which yacht Where's is this, who, who's on that yacht. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the restaurants as you go further down um, the coastline are literally on the beach or overlooking the beach. So it's really Phenomenal to have a meal or a snack or even just a cocktail and sit and uh, and watch the beach and uh, and see the the, the ocean. It, it really makes you feel part of. Uh, the whole environment here,
1: right? You know, and also, and it's uh, another thing is that's, that's in in Qashqai, the, the county is Sintra, you know, and and a lot of people do the Sintra trip from Lisbon, but it's it's very easy to do the Sintra trip from Kashgaiş because it's much closer. It's only about twenty minutes uh, drive, you know, from Kashgaiş, and it is. Absolutely remarkable. Uh, there's five palaces there. I'm sure everyone has seen the pictures of the rainbow, you know, palaces and the beautiful colors that are up there. But uh, it is definitely a thing to see if you're in Portugal. You know, no matter where you you are, go, you know, coming from, um, it's definitely a, a must. You know, see thing. It's a lovely. You know, once you see the palaces and everything, you really have to also you know visit the little shops there. There's a lot of really great restaurants there. They also have their own, um, you know, as as most towns in Portugal do. You know, they they have their own special, uh, you know, pastry item. You know, so um, making sure that you try those every, at <laughs> every every town, every town is <laughs> really important, right? I mean, it's like you're in Lisbon, you know, you're going to have the de nata, You know, you come to uh, um, the Sintra, you're going to have the travesia. Travesia. traversa, Yeah, I say things.
2: ال- I'm still learning. Um, uh uh-huh. So you have the Sardinas and all, all, all the towns, most of the towns have some little specialty or a twist on a, on a specialty. Um, And uh, that's, that makes it fun, especially for those of us who like sweets. (laughs) And it's just a bite, right? And it's
1: like, so you're not, you don't have to sit down and eat a hundred things. You can just have one thing or share one thing and you can move on and keep going.
0: Yeah. Since we've been here, I think we've eaten about a hundred, uh, pestesh. Uh, <laughs> uh, like yeah. yeah. Cause like, well, after every meal, like, we'll just go get one, you know? And they cost like, yeah. I don't know, like like two euros or something like that for one. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Or a Euro, I don't know, some super cheap and you just end up eating a huge quantity over a short period of time. Yeah. The next thing you realize, Well, and the nice
2: thing, too, is a lot of the grocery stores, just the regular grocery stores have a fresh bakery in it with a lot of different specialties. And you can get some of those and they're way less than even a euro. You can go in and and get a pastry for, you know, 50 cents or something like that. And they break bake them fresh in the morning. And uh, at the grocery store near us, which is literally across the street, they have a large cafe area. And so in the morning, people will go and get a bika, which is a very small, strong espresso coffee and a pastry. And they'll sit in there and they'll have breakfast. And at lunchtime, they'll have a cafeteria, essentially, where you can get all kinds of specialties that are already prepared. So people who are working can go in and they don't have to wait. You know, they don't have to worry about, uh, you know, if there's a line at a restaurant or anything, they can go in, choose what they want, get a hot meal. Sit in the cafe, and surprisingly, it's it's very large Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: uh, and usually full. Uh, So it's it's amazing how integrated into the culture this idea of uh, having a lunch and sitting down and taking your time is, even if you're doing it in the grocery store.
1: Well, and it's also affordable because I would say that even if you don't have the luxury of having this really nice (laughs) grocery store like we have across the street, um, the uh restaurants and cafes all offer, as, as is in the case in most of Europe, um, a lunch special, right? It's like, so it's a fixed, you know, menu for, I don't know, it could be anywhere between six and eight euros, depending on if, if you're going to get a drink and dessert and everything else, right? You know, so um, that's nice, too, because normally those those dishes are usually local you know, local Portuguese dishes. So you're going to have a nice fresh fish. You're going to have, you know, something, you know, that is, um, you know, really uh, interesting and delicious, you know, most importantly. So, and you can go, and there's usually three or four dishes every day. So it's you can go several times a week and you'll get a dish, you need a different dish every day.
0: And that's a really good tip for just really making the most of your time. If you really want to try some traditional type foods and and generally, I find that the everyday kind of food is generally my favorite, you know, like not special dinners. Mm-hmm. Like those, those are good. Like those are good meals by all means. But I really like if it's just normal everyday kind of food that's different from my normal everyday kind of food. It's like, man, this is amazing. Like I want to eat this like every day. For sure. I think, you know, one of the things that I love to eat here is octopus.
1: And and it's funny because I haven't had it like in a week, and I'm like, I you know what I need to have some octopus. And it's funny because I, I, as as I'm sure you do as well, we post a lot of pictures of food, and people are like, "What's going on? Why haven't you had any octopus lately?" It's like, you know, it's like people are like, "Have you eaten all the octopus in Portugal?" It's like, no, I have not. You know, it's like I've just been going to some other fish and some other choices. But um, and that's one of the I think to to me one of the huge attractions for Portugal is the. Uh, fresh seafood that's available so abundantly here and uh, super affordable. You know, you, you'll be able to get fish that's caught that day and it's uh, you're, you're not going to get any better. It's prepared. Everything here is usually grilled. Um, and it's just wonderful. It is, you're going to get it either in uh, olive oil with garlic or in onions, like something really simple, but it's going to be delicious, you know, and you, maybe you'll get a couple of boiled potatoes on the side or French fries, right. Because that's, a, that's really popular here, um, as well, you know, but, uh, uh you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's fun for me because I love seafood.
0: I am loving every like ounce and bite of seafood I've had so far. I'm a, I'm a huge seafood fan. It, My wife it has gone, yeah. oh yeah, like my wife has been like, Chris, we can seafood again. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I need to eat this as much as humanly possible while I have it this yep. good. Um, and this just might be my bias right now talking because I'm liking Portugal so much, but I feel like the seafood here tastes different than any other place I've been. And I don't know what it is. I remember writing about it, just writing some notes of my thoughts on Lisbon so far, I'm like, why does like the shrimp like taste so much better than all the other shrimps I've had in other places around the world? It's like so Mm -hmm. good. It's blowing my mind right now. And even the things like goodness, just like their seafood rice, which is everywhere. And every place I've tried has been really good. We even had a squid ink, uh, seafood rice the other day and it was just phenomenal. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I don't, I can't believe I'm eating this this well and eating this much delicious seafood and not having anything that's like bad like none of the seafood is is bad at all.
1: Yeah, I would say that that's pretty much like the, the case. It's a, I, and I also happen to think I I cuz I do love seafood too, but I happen to think the rice here is outstanding. And I'm I'm not, I'm I'm not I can't say I'm a huge rice lover. I like it. It's, you know, I I would much, I would probably pick potatoes over rice any day, but the rice here is just it's almost like Asian rice. You know, it's, it's just, yeah. it, it's very, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the texture is. It's a texture, the size. I don't know what it is, but it is really good. And Diana has ma- mastered making it at home now, which is kind of dangerous, you know? So, <laughs> um, you know, we are lucky, you know, very, very lucky that Diana's a great cook, you know, it's because we are able to, you know, kind of incorporate a lot of these Portuguese dishes at home too, which is really nice.
0: Yeah. Well, I am Asian and I think and I've eaten a lot of rice in my life uh, with every single meal <laughs> growing up. And I think it's phenomenal here. Really, We went to one place and I love this. No place has ever done anything quite like this. It's so simple. We got seafood rice somewhere. And so I ordered the seafood rice and they come, and they come out with like the shrimp in there and everything. It's really mm-hmm. good. But then they bring me a small bowl of like just the leftover plain rice that they didn't use with it or something. I'm like, oh, oh. great. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I won't like, be eating that, right? Yeah, I'm like, yep, this is, even that by itself, it was, it was like, I don't I know. I know, it's good by
1: itself. It really
0: is good yeah. by itself. It's really
1: weird. Yeah, but but it is good. I guess we need to figure that one out. Why why is that the case? That's, well, yeah. We need to do more yeah. research on that.
0: Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, is there a certain place in uh, Kashkais that people should avoid? Maybe it's a little too touristy, maybe a little bit overpriced food. I know a lot of cities kind of have those areas.
2: Um, Well, I mean, we think that people should explore everywhere um, in Kashkais. There are different tastes, there are different flavors. There are Um, Certainly, as we talked about before, there are a ton of family run restaurants that are smaller, more modest prices. There are certainly uh, places you could go and spend a lot of money and have an amazing meal. Um, It depends on, you know, sort of your budget and what you're looking for. Um, Honestly, I don't think we've had a bad meal here. We've just had more modest meals versus more extravagant meals. Um, If you want to go to one of the larger restaurants down the coast, you're probably going to pay more because you're also going to get that view of the ocean, which people want maybe a higher end cuisine in terms of preparation and ingredients. Um, But um, we always seek out the little side street restaurants and find those to be um, little hidden gems. They're, of course, not hidden to the locals, but the tourists tend to uh, go with what is right in front of them. And those tend to be sort of the larger um, restaurants, which cater to a variety of tastes. And they may have uh, local type food and Portuguese food as well as, you know, more continental cuisine. So it really just depends on what you're looking for. Um, I would say that it's perfectly okay to read the menu and to make a decision based on the price that you want to spend and the dishes that are available before going in. Uh, And that's kind of our filter. Yeah. I would also
1: say too, that, yes, there are a lot of higher priced restaurants here for sure, but we always tell people, um, if if you want to go and experience that view, and you want you know you want to experience that restaurant, even for you know uh, just go and have a cocktail there, have an appetizer, have or go to <laughs> go at lunchtime, you know, because they'll, they'll have definitely have a special of some sort, and you'll you'll pay less money, but you're still going to get that really great experience, you know, and and see, I mean, to me it's always these places always have these killer views, right? It's like so if you want to see that view. You know, go ahead and do it. Just, you know, don't don't go there for dinner, you know, don't you know, don't unless you unless you budget for it and say this is what we're going to do on this particular night, because you know what, at the end of the day, when you budget for that, it's always worth it, you know, so it's just a matter of planning, you know, and deciding what you're going to do during your visit.
0: Well, that's good to know. Like, no bad meals. I think that's really important. That everyone should take away from that old section right there. And, like, okay, no bad meals. I am liking what I'm hearing for sure. Well, then let's uh, let's dive into some traditional foods. Like, what are a few traditional f- foods, and what are some of the restaurants that we can find them?
1: Um, well, as I mentioned, <laughs> you know I am a, a big lover of uh, octopus, and there is a dish here, um, it's, you know, here in Cascais, but you can also find it, you know, throughout Portugal, you know, that's called, I'm probably going to butcher the name, Povo a la Guerrero. And it is, you know, uh, octopus that is grilled. Um, and it's grilled in olive oil and garlic with onions, and, you know, lots of garlic. <laughs> it's like, so yes. you, know, you add, add a little bit of wine, of course, I and mean, you know, we haven't even touched on, you know, Portuguese wine, but that's a whole other, you know, thing you know but that is all you know then served on top of you know potatoes and sometimes there'll be a few vegetables but usually it's just like smashed like little uh boiled potatoes and that's all you know with, with the sauce on top of the whole thing and it's almost served like an almost like a griddle you know like a you know, how how you would get uh, fajitas or something like that. It comes out, it's like sizzling and it's like, oh my gosh, it's just, it smells good. It looks good. I mean, when it, as soon as you sit, it sits down in front of you and that garlic kind of wafts up into your nose, it's like, oh my Lord, you know, it is. So it looks great because you're seeing the whole, Uh, you know, uh, octopus, but uh, a lot of places you can get it. I would say one of the places that I've enjoyed it is a place called Taberna Economica, you know, which is, you know, in the downtown of uh, Qashqai, you know, but again, you can find it in a lot of different
2: places as well. And one of my favorites is uh, a dish that's actually not from Qashqai, but they serve it everywhere. And um, I'm kind of addicted to it. It's called Mm -hmm. carne de porco a la And it's a traditional dish, but it's a a very unusual dish in that it's little chunks of pork that are uh, fried and served with a, um, a bunch of little tiny clams. And this is put in a wine sauce that's kind of savory and has a little bit of a vinegar tinge to it because they put us what we would call jardiniere, some pickled vegetables. And it's served usually on top of potatoes or French fries or something like that. So you can soak up all that juice. And it's just the most unusual combination of meat and seafood, but it is unbelievable. And this is very common. You can find it at most Tashkas. And there's a large restaurant here that's one of those that caters to the international crowd, as well as uh, having local dishes called the Palm Tree. Um, Some might call it kind of a touristic restaurant, but um, especially if you have a large party or you're trying to, um, you know, you want to meet with a group of people, it's good because they have a very large outdoor area. And so we've actually been there with parties of, you know, 12, 15 people, Um, and they serve that as well as a variety of other dishes, both local and in uh, continental
1: yeah, they have great they have great fresh uh, fish there as well. I enjoyed the, fish, the yeah, enjoyed the the golden bream there and things. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, another uh, dish that is so typical of you know Portugal is the, the peri peri chicken. And there's a spot here you know that is downtown that's called the Jardim dos Frangos or you know, translated the chicken garden. And everyone here who speaks English just refers to it as the chicken, the chicken garden, garden. <laughs> you know, but they have the, the classic grilled chicken there and you can get it, you know, with the spicy sauce or spicy sauce on the side, you know, or, you know, it not, you know, not put it on at all and just have the chicken. And frankly, either way, no matter how you have it, the chicken is fantastic. I mean, you, you can, when you walk down at the downtown in kashkai you up the strip there where all the little stores are, you smell it, you know, <laughs> it kind of like draws you and he's like, what is that? And it's like, you smell this great grilled chicken. They also have fantastic grilled uh, ribs. They also
2: have fish um they They have have a something and a lot of places will have this it's a a unusual cut of pork Mm. called secretos and it's sort of a, a very small area it's like about a pound worth of meat right above the ribs it is incredibly tender and most people um you you don't know about it we've never seen it until we came to Portugal um so those who like really tender a piece of pork that's Um, secretos is, 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 is good. And it's, they're all sort of grilled and, and, um, served very similarly.
1: Yeah. And it's a big restaurant, you know, so you, you know, a lot of people fit in there and it's very, always busy all the time, but also they're it, it's a simple dish, but their French fries are out of this world. You know, it's like there as as they are in a lot of places in Portugal, because the potatoes here are yes. so good. Yeah. You know, and I'm kind of a weird <laughs> potato, uh, you know, maven, if you will, you know, it's like, I, I can taste right away. I'm like, this is a good potato or this is not, this is not a good potato. You know, it's like, and so those French fries with that chicken or those ribs, it is as you would say chris phenomenal you know it's really it, it really i mean, it wouldn't that's a place that people might walk by and go oh it looks touristy you know what
2: it's okay eat there right. <laughs> you know exactly. there are plenty of portuguese they also have a take yes. a takeaway yes. area which at lunchtime and even at dinner time is always full with uh, people who are Uh, you know, waiting for stuff to come off the grill and it's fun to watch. They have quite a operation going there and it's because they're doing a large volume. And, you know, it's uh, for a small country, there are some places that just do a very large business. Um, So you could dine in or you could take it away.
1: Yeah. But I would also say in in terms of the grilled chicken, it's like no matter where you go in Kashkai, you know, it's like in this general area, Israel, wherever, uh, Sintra, you can get, you'll get grilled chicken, excellent grilled chicken, no matter where you go. Um, so you know, if, if you're, if you're kind of like in a conundrum of like, I don't know what I want to have to eat today, you know, that's always a good, to me, that's like my fallback. I'll just have the grilled chicken. Cause I'm always, I'm, I know I'm always going to be happy with it.
0: And from what I know, I actually haven't had it yet in, in Portugal, which is bad. Um, because some of the places <laughs> are a little bit kind of spread out that are really good. So um, mm-hmm. i was actually reading through some of your uh, blog yesterday and just reading some of the stuff about the grilled chicken and stuff i'm like okay this this makes sense i gotta make make sure this is a priority for me now um
2: it sounds like you need to make a visit to kashkaish when you one so. all the time if you <laughs> got 40 minutes you yeah. know um, we'll meet you at the chicken garden. yeah sure. <laughs> a lot of places there. You could actually do a little stroll here and have a taste of this and a taste oh, yeah. of that yeah. at a variety of, of places and everything is so close. It's really just a few minutes walk here or there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you guys would get along with my wife pretty well too, because she's a huge fan <laughs> of potatoes and garlic and like <laughs> butter. Oh. And-
2: ah, she's <laughs> a kind <friend> of people. <laughs> That's right. It's funny because there are even places here where you can get, if you want a really good hamburger, yeah, the Hamburgeria yeah. up on that yellow streak, Sue was talking about one mm-hmm. of the best hamburgers I've ever had. Yeah,
1: I've and really
2: fabulous French fries. But warning, the burgers are really big, so yeah. you yeah. could split one easily. And for vegetarians, they have veggie burgers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that we find really great in in Qashqai in general is if you're vegetarian, if you're pescatarian, if you're carnivore, there's definitely something for you. Almost yeah. every Everywhere,
0: And besides like the traditional foods, is there like one or two restaurants we can just touch on really quick uh, that you guys really love?
1: Yeah, it's like we, we've, as, as Diana mentioned earlier, it's like we really love the little local places that are kind of like mom and pop shops. Um, and one particular for me is Nova Estrella and it's like funny because when we we got here in April and my birthday is in June and I you know I make a big deal about my birthday and so we were trying to decide where to go for my birthday and we I finally picked that one because we had been there several times and boy did they make me feel like family that day I mean it's like they we I feel like they're part of my family you know it's because like, we've, we've been there a lot and the food there is excellent they make an excellent you know octopus you know which I love you
0: know,
1: he, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he just he gets that thing on the grill is just excellent you I mean all the, every single f- fresh fish they have there is wonderful you know diana's had you know all kinds of other you know things there's like The pork there you know the, the turkey everything i mean everything there's fresh and delightful and it's small it's run by a husband and wife their son works there their daughter works there you know it's like so
2: um i i don't know i just feel like uh, very special you know when we go there um, a couple of other places. There's another one called Manjar de Villa. It's literally around the corner from Nova Estrela. <laughs> Very similar, um, but small. What they, um, they haven't done it uh, since the pandemic, but hopefully they'll be able to do it soon as they offered um, Fado music, live Fado music on uh, the weekends. And we don't know when they're going to start that up again, but the food there is great. They do a lot of the fixed meals. Um, so you never know know what you're going to get but everything is fresh um mm-hmm. and uh for vegetarians again um there's a place called uh, Cafe Galleria House of Wonders it's pretty well known here of uh, extravagant vegetarian food outstanding plus they have a rooftop and they have a terrace so those people who love to dine outdoors um will be in hog heaven there really really wonderful
0: Wow. Yeah. So much good food. I am, I'm excited to to go now. You've, you've convinced me. I now must make a trip and hop on the train just to visit for the day even, and just kind of snack yeah. my way through real quick. Let's touch on Portuguese wine. Just, I mean, I'm not too sure if we could, but like if we can like touch mm-hmm. on it, because it's been really good so far. Everything I've tried is amazing. Even like a $4, $4 bottle of wine at the grocery store just blew my mind. So is there yeah. something that people should know, maybe like a favorite region or something else to try that you guys want to suggest? Um,
2: you really can't go wrong. Uh, there's, you know, every region here, the Douro, um, Tejo, even Stubal, which is, you know, just south of uh, Lisbon is growing some great wine. One thing of note, um, people have heard of port wine and they've heard of Madeira wine. There's a really special wine uh, called Cacabeloche. And people may not be familiar with it because there's only a small area now that's still growing the grapes. It's uh, about 25 hectares. Carcavelos is at the tail end of the uh, Kashkash region before you get into the Lisbon, um, you know, area. Um, And Carcavelos is a fortified wine, very similar to Port or Madeira, um, but it's, it's, unique in that because the grapes are growing so close to the sea, it almost has a little sweet salty uh, flavor to it. And Thomas Jefferson had discovered this wine and there's a long history, which if anyone is interested, they can read about Carcabellish wine. Um, But uh, it's, it's just, it's almost like salted caramel is to caramel. Um, Carcabellish wine is, is to fortified wines. It's very, it's unique and it's just absolutely wonderful. And it's one of those cultural um, things that we hope, uh, you know, doesn't disappear because the land that they used to grow the grapes on, most of it now is turned into, you know, homes and and condos and things. So it's it's something to take note of.
0: Oh, absolutely! I'll have to try to find some before before I leave. Uh, we it looks like yep. we have time for maybe just like one more question here. Um, so let's end on something that's really good. Maybe just like your favorite story. Or memory from your time in Kashkaiş.
2: Well, we have a couple of them. Um, the one I'll, I'll tell is a food-related one. Uh, we went to a restaurant um, in the Mercado de Villa, which is the big farmers' market. It's actually a um, a full-time uh, uh, spot, and then on Saturdays and Wednesdays they have all the farmers come in and bring their produce. And then there are bread makers that bring uh, bread and flour, uh, all kinds of uh, different things come there. And then, but they have certain places that are there all the time. And there's a restaurant there uh, called uh, Marisco Naprasa. And it's a seafood restaurant where uh, you walk up to see on the ice what is fresh that day. And then you pick out what you want to eat. Um, and they have some specialties there that are only from Kashkesh, like these tiny little slipper lobsters uh, and if people like lobster, it's a, it's a way to have a little taste of lobster. Sometimes it can be really rich. So you get a few of those little ones and they they will cook pretty much anything any way that you want. Uh, so you can just get them grilled or you can get them boiled with butter or whatever. So we were finishing up a little seafood meal there. And we looked over at this couple who were sitting across from us and they had finished a meal. And we saw them get something that looked like a steak sandwich. And so we asked. Asked the server, what, what's that? What, what's that all about? And he said, oh, that's a prego. I said, well, why are they eating a prego? You know, beef sandwich? We were like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, there's nothing. So we said, okay, we want a prego. So we split one. And prego is just a marinated, very thin piece of beef on a, a, a roll. Um, sometimes they put mustard on it, but you can choose what you want. And so we split that after our seafood meal and we were we were completely surprised by the fact that it was better than any dessert you could have had because it just sort of rounded out the meal in a way that was totally satisfying. And so if you're trying to avoid sweets, one of the ways to do it is to have a prego after your seafood meal. Yeah,
0: I am right there with you on the prego. <laughs> like <laughs> after the smorgasbord of like, you know, seafood that you eat, you need a palate cleanser for sure. And a steak sandwich is like phenomenal. I I don't know who thought of it first, but it's amazing. Exactly. I'll
1: yeah. well, tell you there, there there's one other like really, really um stick out, you know, to celebrate our anniversary. So we went to uh furnace the show, which is on the water. It's one of the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's serving very good food, but we aimed to get there, you know, when, you know, it was the sunset, you know, so we had this p- particularly gorgeous, you know, sunset that evening. So we enjoyed our, our wine, you know, our Portuguese wine and uh really, you know, we're, we're enjoying the evening, but it, it, that place, the service there was just impeccable. You know, I had... Uh, the the freshest golden bream I think I've ever had here. And he like filleted table side for me. So I'd be thinking, what do you, if you love seafood, you know everything here comes usually a whole fish, right? I so usually you're going to order a whole fish. And so to be spoiled that night and to have him <laughs> fillet the fish was something that was really, phenomenal you know it's like in that that fish i can still taste that fish it was it was really really good and diana you know decided to have something different and she had this uh, beef tenderloin dish that was you know this perfect little you know uh, pocket of beef tenderloin on a toasted piece of portuguese bread and then it was covered with this creamy mushroom sauce and I, you know, I looked at it i went, like, that's kind of weird looking but then she's like you have to taste this it was, it was the bread was like garlic bread with this meat with the mushroom and this, it was it was absolutely spectacular um so we were really pleased pleased with our meal pleased with our, you know the whole you know, we were there for hours you know, <laughs> just enjoying the whole place but that was really um uh, an experience we won't forget anytime soon
0: it's like a, you get a food high from an experience like that. You're just yeah. smiling yeah, yeah. and you're just in a good mood for hours afterwards. You're just like, ah, oh, that was so amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for you both coming on the show today. If people want to follow your adventures and keep track of everywhere you're going and what you're eating, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, they can check out our website at foodtravelist.com. they can also follow us on um uh, twitter we have a, a, a chat every single wednesday uh, that is uh, that covers food and travel it's called the food the hashtag food travel chat and we've been it's on wednesday we've been doing it for seven years now and so we've got a pretty nice audience of people who come together every single week and talk about food and travel so you know check that out we're also of course on the usual suspects you know on instagram facebook uh you know so you can check us out there too
0: I had such a good time with this one. As you can tell, we're just talking about how amazing food can be. And I think when you can have fun with people who love food as much as you, you know you've made friends for life. With everything that we've discussed today, hopefully you can understand a little bit about the cuisine, which is really a lot of seafood, a lot of garlic, a lot of wine. (laughs) There's so many things to consider when anyone is booking their trip and making plans, but from what I can tell, this city is going to be one of the favorites that I think anyone who travels there will want to tell their friends, like, hey, I went to this really great city in Portugal that I think you should try out, and that makes me happy. I think when we go off the beaten path just a little bit and explore even just for a day and dive in headfirst to what's delicious and what's fun, then we ourselves grow a little bit because Lisbon's great and we've had so much fun, my wife and I. And I think a little trip outside the city is due. So we'll see what happens when we go there and check it out for ourselves. For the show notes of this page, with all of their recommendations uh, that we've talked about on the show today, as well as extras that we did not discuss, so that you can make a full trip and itinerary from all the delicious things that you can have there, go to nomadicfoodist.com slash cash cash, which is C A S C A I S that's nomadic foodist.com slash C A S C A I S for the full show notes. And if you liked this episode, please, if you could hit the subscribe button so that every single week you get a brand new episode with amazing destinations and fun interviews with travel experts and other people who really, really love food, just like you and I. Thank you so much again for listening, and remember, eat with an adventurous heart no matter where you go.